Hey everyone, welcome back to Gay Men Going Deeper. I am Michael and I'm back with Matt, Reno, and Callum. Today we are talking about expressing our sexuality. So to kick us off, let's start off with Callum. Woohoo! So I think we're kind of encompassing a lot of things in today's episode. So it's like a lot of conscious sexuality, a lot of our journeys in regards to our sexuality and sex. Um, it's kind of a hot button topic. Everybody's got opinions on it, but I think most people can agree most people do it. And so um, I'm going to start it off with how I had the journey of like going from just like having a sexual experience to really being conscious around it. I'm lucky. I think um, I consider myself a very emotionally open person when it comes to sex and being intimate with a partner. I've never had issues in the bedroom. I've never had any blocks around anything like that. And um, I've actually had experiences where there's one experience in particular where the guy actually had to leave. Like he straight up was like, I can't do this. And it wasn't for a bad reason in any regard. It was because he had it in his mind that he was coming up like over for a hookup and that's all it was going to be like, just get to it. That was done. But because I'm so emotionally available, when it comes to that and like I get turned on by kissing and that like emotional connection and that being with somebody in that regard and I can hold that space really well that he like had I remember it so vividly he like backed away and was like I can't do this and I was like what and he's like you're too like you're too present you're too good at this like you you're making me feel things that I feel really uncomfortable about and that was his stuff because it wasn't me. And I was just like, whoa, this guy is so blocked to receiving like genuine care and love and like like vulnerability in that moment that he like literally could not put himself in there. And I just think of that in regards to like the gay community and how often I see that and how often that that like that's such a dominating factor in the gay community because we have apps like Grinder, Scruff, this, that, and the other. We have all these different apps that it makes it so easy and accessible. And on one hand, it's great. If you need to scratch the itch, you scratch the itch. But on the other hand, it kind of sucks because it's like people aren't really emotionally diving into things anymore. They're putting up that wall and then they're getting used to having that wall up there and they're protecting themselves and they're not letting themselves get to that deeper part. And getting to that deeper part doesn't necessarily mean I want to have a relationship with you. I want to be with you. Like, no, I can still just scratch the itch and have a great time, but I still want to be emotionally connecting with you and be like, I'm an adult. You're an adult. This is a great sexual experience we're going to have together. It's going to be really enjoyable. We're going to look at each other in the eyes. We're going to have a really good time. But for whatever reason, this guy was just like, ah, I can't do this. It freaked me out. And that was one of my first big like aha moments of like, this is interesting. This is curious. Um, but I've always been like that. I've always been very emotionally capable in the bedroom, which I guess is strange because I know a lot of gay men aren't. And I don't have as good of a time with somebody if they aren't capable of holding that space. I can do the hookups. I can do the fun times. I can do the this, that, and the other. But it's that conscious being in the energy that if that's not there and the person's completely turned off to it, I'm like, uh, uh, I'm not going to have fun. 
Anybody else so, have some experience they want to share on that? So, so Kellen, does that mean that you you can have like a like a hookup where someone comes over, they do their thing, and they leave? Is that something you can do, or do you need to have that emotional connection? Oh no, I have... I can do that. Okay, okay. But like, be like that doesn't. What I'm saying is that doesn't have to be separate from emotion. Whereas a yeah. lot of people separate that, and they're like, no, this is just this. And like, yes, there's physical and there's emotional. But like you can still just do that and have it be part of the energy. Whereas a lot of people shut themselves off to that because I think it freaks them out because they get in their head and they go, this is too emotional or this is going to lead to feelings and this is going to lead to like relationship questions and this is going to lead to them wanting to hang out with me more, be with me or whatever. And it's like, no, dude, like it doesn't have to be. If I wanted to date you, I probably wouldn't be sleeping with you right now. But <laughs> like yeah. I, if I want to really date you, I will get to know you on a long-term basis before I introduce anything sexual. But that's just me personally. Um, but like, I don't know. It's, it's really strange. I'd love to know your guys' take on it. I wonder if perhaps on some level, um people have not done that work to separate especially in the gay world sexuality still might be tangled up in a lot of shame and so when they have sex they kind of separate that kind of maybe subconsciously as a way to protect themselves from it that's my guess um i've hooked up with a lot of straight guys and i've also hooked up with a lot of people who are in relationships and I notice a trend that with those people who are engaging in this kind of behavior and, and it comes from that place of it's wrong or they shouldn't be doing it, they are the ones who more so do not want to have any kind of, like, it's almost like they're afraid of even looking at you in the eye, Kim, like to your point. And they don't, um, they have a harder time connecting. And uh, Cal and I agree with you, I can have like anonymous and I say fun. I can also have, you know, the deep relationship but I don't need to separate them necessarily. I can still like open the door, look them in the eye and say, hi, like, come on in. Can I grab you a drink? Um, but sometimes a lot of people, I find that, especially in those two cases, in my experience, it's been the case. It's been, it's been the straight guys and the ones who shouldn't be there or, or they're going sort of behind someone's back to do that kind of stuff. Um, as you... As you guys were speaking, I was um, I was thinking about someone had mentioned shame, and I have this relationship to pornography, where um, so my pattern is I'll um, I'll look up said website. Um, I don't need to tell you guys which one because I'm sure. Most of y'all have seen them or been there. Um, but I'll look up said website. Um, I will search said genre. Um, I will pick some of my favorites. Come on, dish and, it. And then, <laughs> fine, only dudes.tv. <laughs> it's real good. Um, and, and, and then I will sort of um, stack like... Uh, some of my favorites in my tabs and then i'll go through them and like by process of elimination i'll like arrive at the one that's my favorite and that i'm feeling the most that day and then i'll watch that one and then i'll ejaculate and then i'll like close it out real quick right and i i always found that pattern so interesting and 
And then I was thinking about what you were saying just now about shame and sexuality. And um, I had a similar pattern with men prior to coming out where we would hook up and I'd be all like hot and heavy and like into it and just like all for it. And then I'd, I'd come and like, that'd be it. Like my whole system would just like shut down. I'd be like, like totally turned off. Like I want you out of my space and like also just like out of my world. Like I don't want to engage at all, period. Um, and, and so that just clicked for me just now because I sort of recognized it as, as, as a shame and as a, as a pattern, but I just had an aha moment right now where I was like, oh, that, that really was shame. And, and that's my pattern. Um, that was my pattern. And so I find that really interesting, but, um, you know, I think back to, my youth um because that's probably about as far back as my sexuality goes uh i remember being this very like highly aware child um you know people used to say to me like you know too much for your own good um because i was very curious um i asked a lot of questions i was very aware and um and very explorative and, and I paid attention to what adults were up to and the people around me were up to. And if you told me I couldn't do something or um, I should stay away or out of something, odds are I was probably going to go and figure out what was happening there, right? So um, shout out to the parents. <laughs> um, <laughs> doesn't work so well. Um, and, and there's this, I, I um, I actually started writing this book some time ago. It's still in development. And I opened the book by talking about my earliest, one of my earliest memories. And it's of me being sort of small enough to be laying on um, a man's chest. And I have this memory of like the feeling of his chest hair in, in, in my hands, right? Um, and, and, and what I say in the, in, in the opening is that um, at the time, I would have been too young to have a word to describe what I was experiencing in that moment. But as an adult, looking back, I imagine the most appropriate word would be pleasure, right? So that was kind of my first, like, like, and, and so young at the time too, but just, you know, that was sort of my earliest memory of this, this weird sort of pleasurable attraction, if you will, which is bizarre at such a young age. Um, <clears throat> definitely, you know, recognized that I was probably different in a lot of ways, um, especially as like a sexual being early on. Like I knew that I found men attractive. Um, I was also attracted to women still. Um, and, and again, just, just curious, just constantly sort of curious. Um, what I recall though is like, again, there was this like shamefulness and the secrecy that kind of dominated my experience. Like it was wrong for me to wonder about these things, um, to, 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 and I wouldn't say to ask about them across the board because my mom was certainly um, 
more liberal in that regard. Like if I came to her to ask her something, I'm sure it would have been fine. And if she caught me jerking off, she probably would have been like, you know, you go girl. Oh my um, God, I've been horrified. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, yeah, for sure, right? It's it definitely like a really sort of vulnerable experience. Um, but But yeah, I just remember like, early on being very sexually aware, very sexually curious. Um, and, and that sort of continued into my, my adulthood. Um, I, I certainly I find like, I'm still getting to know myself as a sexual being even to this day, you know? Um, and, and one of the things I can speak to is like all of these <clears throat> internal sort of, um, psychological and emotional barriers that I found myself sort of moving through and growing through um, throughout my, you know, throughout my aging, throughout my life. Um, resistance to receiving, resistance to engaging sexually and, and being open about that. Um, yeah, it's it's been a ride. It's been a ride. Um, and I feel like, you know, at the ripe old age of 32, <laughs> I'm just warming up, you know, and that's kind of exciting to me, to be honest. It's 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 really exciting. Yeah. Speaking of age, Matt, Matt did you want to chime in? Sorry. You go ahead. Speaking of age, something I wanted to bring up is I think you guys are you guys are all younger than me. Um, I would say as I get older and as my, as I become, as I progress on my sort of spiritual journey, I find the biggest benefactor has been my sex life and my sexuality. And I don't mean that to say that like the quality changes, it's just the way that I interact with it has completely changed as well. And that's sort of been part of my journey as well. And, and you can see that by the ways that I interacted with sex as sort of a, in my early 20s and teens versus the way I do now. And now I am so much more into things that I never thought I would be because I have that anchoring safeness within me that I feel a lot, what's the word I'm looking for? Grounded. Thank you. Grounded. Yeah, I feel a lot more grounded in myself from a conscious spiritual point of view that I can actually go further sexually than I thought than I would have ever done before. Because you've built like your own safety net around it. Yeah. And, and I've, I've, I mean, you know, people tell me that I'm shameless about sex and I would say, yeah, that's exactly correct. <laughs> that is a very deliberate decision because I spent so much of my time having a lot of shame, not just about sex, but about being gay. And, you know, I, I thought that I was wrong and I'm sure a lot of us can relate to this. Like I grew up in a Catholic school system, so sex was wrong, let alone sex with men. And um, I grew up with a lot of shame having so many urges and I was only always a horny little bugger as a teenager. And I'd always be jerking off thinking of like people in my school instead of my girlfriend. Um, so yeah, there was a lot of shame that came with it. And so when I finally did the work to get over that, which didn't really happen until I'd say my, in, until my spiritual path really became clear to me, then I was able to release a lot, a lot of that shame. And now 
I am exactly that shameless about sex. I know what I like. I know what I want. I go for it. And that's just what it is. There's, there's, there's not a lot of shame left there and I don't want it to be there. So when I sense that shame coming up, I kind of dig within and say, okay, where's this coming from? What is it that I feel like that I'm wrong or that I'm not enough? And then I, I dig a bit into, I dig into it there, but, um, yeah, I think as I get older, my sexual proclivities have become a lot more varied. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I find it's interesting too, like, <clears throat> for us, I, I feel like there's an added layer of, um, of challenge, of, of, of adversity, right? Because already this, this theme of sexuality holds this this tension and um you know this sort of um shame in and around it and as gay men (laughs) you're sort of adding insult to injury so to speak right um there's there's this there's this other layer where like it's it's sort of okay but like not totally okay for like heterosexual people to have sex and engage in sexuality but like as gay men it's like it's like really not okay you know um so (laughs) we kind of have our work cut out for us like from the jump you know yeah Mm -hmm. yeah there's definitely that oh sorry go ahead michael no i was just wondering what what matt's got to say i I can see his brain turning i can Mm -hmm. see it happening I'm, I'm just acknowledging um, there's a lot of resistance and there's a lot of emotion inside me right now. And I'm like, I'm navigating it and I'm, um, yeah, uh, God, where to begin? Um, so I never had my first sexual experience with men until I was 18 and there was a ton of anxiety. Um, at this time I was in active addiction and a lot of my addiction was stemming from a discomfort with my sexuality. So this is quite a heavy area for me to talk about. And I feel very vulnerable right now. Um, but I got into a long-term relationship. It was about an eight-year relationship. Um, and in that relationship, um, in the first four years of being together, we were closed. Um, but I was cheating the whole time pretty much. And that's actually the first time I've ever admitted that. So that feels very weird. Um, and then the second set of eight or of four years, we decided to open the relationship up and be a bit more open about it. Um, my biggest learning from that relationship was that I was, I had a real discomfort in bringing emotion and sex into the same um, environment. And it was now looking back because of shame and shame was about for me revealing um, these parts of myself that were very intimate, that were very buried. And um, so, so yeah, so basically what ended up happening after that relationship ended, I was about 28 and I started to navigate like spirituality and, and these different sorts of concepts and kind of really allowing myself to, to show up. 
and like allow people to see me and feel me and hear me. And, um, and I think it was around that same time that, that I was also, actually, I think I should back up a little bit because in the, in the period when we were open, when this, this partner and I were open, we, um, I, I, I would say looking back that I had a sex addiction, I was having a lot of sex and, um, my sex was very ego driven. It was all about power over other men and getting um, my ego boosted from sex. And it was never about connection. It was about go and get my ego stroked and get off and get out. <laughs> and I know there's going to be some guys that are watching this that have had that experience with me. And they're going to be like, oh, my God, he's finally realized it, that he um, didn't have a lot of capacity for vulnerability and cuddling and all these things. After sex, I would just grab my things and head out. And, um, I actually reflect back on that just in the last few months. And I realized how much hurt I caused some people doing that because these people were being vulnerable with me and they were showing up with me and, um, wanting to connect with me in that way. And, I, and right after, you know, I come, I just leave, you know what I mean? And that's, that can cause a lot of hurt for people. So to people who are watching that, I'm, I'm, I'm I apologize. I'm sorry for doing that. Um, and my, my sexual awakening really, I would say it started probably about five years ago. And for me, that meant um, learning how to bring my spirituality into my sexual partnerships. And, but it first started with myself, how to, how to have a different relationship with myself sexually. And um, my relationship with porn came in, into play. Um, my relationship with, with my sex addiction came into play, um, all those things. And I think, for me, it was, well, I ended up developing kidney stones when I was 27 and I had to go for surgery. They weren't extractable and they were, um, it ended up causing me a ton of issues in my pelvis. I had pelvic pain for a year and a half. I had incontinence. I was having erectile dysfunction. Um, I was having all sorts of issues in this area, but reflecting back on it, I think the primary issue was my lack of connection to that center, to that part of my body. It was always about here. My sex came from here. And when this started to unravel, my ego started to unravel, it was no longer able to be attained up here. So I was stuck in this space between my pelvis and my ego. And I was like, I didn't know how to make this navigation happen. So I was pretty much like asexual for a whole year, trying to figure out what was going on with my body, why my body wasn't turned on by, by what it used to be turned on by. And um, it was a very confusing time for me. And I sought out freaking therapists after doctor, after this, after that, trying to fix myself. And it was, it was so, um, it was, it wasn't, nothing was working because I wasn't actually tending to the things that needed to be tended to. And um, so I struggled I would do what I always had done, where I would invite a guy to come over. I would want to engage sexually and because my mind was telling me this was the right thing to do, but my body did not want it. So my body wasn't performing. My body wasn't engaged in it. I felt a ton of anxiety in these interactions. And I didn't have the awareness to be like, what's actually going on? And I think I've shared this story in a previous one, but I'll, I'll just tell it in a nutshell. Um, the guy in Thailand that I ended up hooking up with, and I had that experience where I, I gave my body away when it didn't want to be given away. And I had the moment of realization 
right after he had left. And I went into about a week depression of just feeling like what I, I betrayed myself. And for me, that was a pivotal turning point in, in learning what true conscious sexuality was. And it's about controlling your pace and listening to your body and what your body wants, because your body's really 90% of the engagement in sex, right? 10% can be stimulated through mind, right? We can talk to each other and say things, but a lot of it is just allowing our bodies to experience each other's energy and the sensations that come with that. And I didn't really ever learn that until about a year and a half ago. So, um, and then learning the term around demisexuality and what that means and, and, you know, slowing down the pace in sex so that it has ability to develop trust and safety and rapport and all these things that really make sex um, good for me. So <clears throat> yeah, you know, just thinking back to like how far I've come on this journey and everything is tied into my authenticity, Every, everything. If I would have honored my authenticity, which happens in my heart, in my body, I would have been way further on this path. Um, but I, I, you know, I do trust that I'm, I'm exactly where I need to be at all times. So um, I'm actually preparing in a week. I'm, I'm going to be moving to Vancouver and um, I'm going to be given opportunities to work in, in the Tantra community, in the conscious sexuality community and doing these sorts of um, things where I can now start to integrate all my theory into practice and, um, and start to, I'm now aligned to this in myself and I'm, I'm leading with it. So I'm now attracting men into my life that want the same things as me. They want to show up and they want to practice heart centered connections and have that as a primary foundation before we engage in physical centered connections. And, um, so yeah, so it's, it's cool. It's a cool journey. Um, I, there's still a lot of unprocessed stuff in there for me. I can feel it even just talking about it. I could feel myself getting emotional listening to you guys talk, I could feel myself getting emotional. So I know there's some tears to be shed and I know that's going to come in, in the near future. Um, and I'm going to also get to experience a ton of joy and connection through this newfound way of, uh, of relating with people sexually. I, I want to honor and acknowledge your, um, your vulnerability and your honesty and your transparency and your authenticity. Thanks. Rio. Yeah, that was, um, was very powerful and um yeah yeah i think a lot of guys are going to resonate with that story mm -hmm. a lot because that sounds like so many guys that like when i was talking about how i would experience it they're like oh, i can't do this i can't be here it's like they didn't want to do the cuddling after they didn't want to do any of that and it's like i can i can do that that's fine but it's the lack of consciousness around it that that's why it was happening. It wasn't because they were consciously like, cool, this is great, have fun, like, but I do have to go. It was like, I need to escape. Exactly. The yeah. different mentality. It was like when Reno was talking about how it's like, okay, I'm done, get the fuck out. Like, <laughs> peace out, I'm out of here, I'm over it. I'm really curious, what age was everybody when they first had their like first male sexual experience, not like sexual experience, like playing doctor as a kid or whatever, but like actual adult sexual male experience. I was 20 years old and everybody always is like, wow, that's kind of older. And I was like, I feel like that was kind of like, for me, that was the right age. But like, sometimes I hear like much younger ages and I'm like, wow, that's wild. 
And Matt, I Are you think talking you like 18. intercourse? Well, I had interactions with guys, like my group of friends, my male group of friends growing up. When we were around 10, we had like... Yeah, that's like experiences. So, doctor and like that kind of yeah. stuff. But I'm talking well, like... But, but a, was it doctor? Like, but like well, a, it was more than doctor, yeah. but it wasn't intercourse. So. Yeah. Sure. Uh, okay, but yeah, yeah, intercourse was 18. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Mm. For me, it was 19 intercourse, but when I was in grade seven or eight, six even, I would fool around with the older boys. <laughs> What's the like. distinction between playing doctor and intercourse? Just because, I mean, there are two numbers I could give you. I'm just, yeah. <laughs> well, it's like, okay, playing doctor is a, a younger child who's like, you're not consciously aware of what you're really doing. That's Got like, it. you know, those younger years. And then being an sure. adult where you're like, oh no, I'm having sex. Okay. Mm. Yeah. Because I mean, I was, I was pretty young. I'm oh yeah. Tell you, I was like I was, preschool. I was, yeah. Like if, yeah, if we're going to go there, like I was, you know, I was pretty young. Um, but officially, I suppose, um, I guess I would have been, I don't know, like 13, probably. Yeah, yeah. And you really full on had sex with the guy? I mean, I, we, yeah, I, I mean, everything but penetration, for sure. But, um, and, but, but I would say, if, if, you know, if we're talking about penetration, I was, I was 16. Um, I lost my virginity in a, in a threesome at 16. And I sought these men out, by the way. They didn't, they didn't seek me out. I, like, was on a mission. Um, That's wild. Yeah, and let me rephrase that. I didn't lose my virginity. I, I engaged in sexual activity with these men. I hate that term. I lost it. I don't lose it. I gave it away. <laughs> 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 but, yeah. Um, I knew exactly what I was doing. Uh, I didn't, I didn't feel, and feel bad about it. I didn't feel, um, I didn't, I wouldn't say I felt shameful about it. I think there was a bit of pride there. Um, and, uh, and um, it was, uh, I'm, I'm, I feel lucky to have had that experience and to have that story because it wasn't, it wasn't terrible at all. These two men were older than me and they were very kind. And they were very, um, you know, thoughtful throughout the experience. I never once felt um, like I wasn't safe. Um, and I, I still look back and think, like, the hell was I thinking, you know? Like, I showed up on these guys, like, doorstep, you know, their cottage and was like, hey, can I come in? I'm all wet, you know? Like, not actually, but essentially, that's exactly how it went down, you know? So Got the WAP going on. <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so oh my that, that was my experience. Yeah. That's wild. My, I have the gayest experience of, like, giving away my virginity i was i yeah. just moved to london in the uk i was 20 years old i was like in this fresh new country living it up in london and i go to a robin concert at gay astoria so it was like this gay club bar and it was massive it was huge and it was called gay so gay and it was gay astoria it's closed now but um, so I was there and it was like five pounds to go to this like small mini robin concert and she had just released her like i think it was either Handle Me or The Body Talk. No, it was Handle Me, the album with Handle Me. And like, I was living it up. It was my anthems. And then like, I met a Welsh boy there. He was beautiful. 
and like he came back to my place and that was the first night the only thing i could say that i really wish i hadn't been is i wish i hadn't been as drunk as i was because like the memories like the memories are kind of there but they're still a bit fuzzy but then the following weekend we did it again and that was a lot more vivid because i was like i need a round two of this because like I need to remember what this, like, I need to remember what went on. And so that was great, but it was like the gayest ever. Like, I will never forget that story of like, at a Robin concert? Yes, at a Robin concert. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. What about for women? I'm curious about people's <laughs> sexual experience with women. Zero. Well, I had a girlfriend, but we, did, we didn't do anything really. Yeah, I had a high school girlfriend. I held hands and stuff, but... She and I had some you. experiences. Yeah, no. I, I was, what, like 18? And so, like, everyone in my grade was having sex with their girlfriends and it was, like, this big, with all the guys, of course, it was, like, this big to-do. And I was terrified. I was like, I don't want to do that with her. Like, I, I like her a lot. She's, like, my best friend. But I'm like, there's no way that I'm going to put that in her and nor do I want to and so I would dodge it all that time I would dodge it I'm not feeling well I gotta go I got homework to do I got an exam I would be that guy who's like the opposite of all the other guys just dodging it and then once it like once it did start to happen I managed to get hard because I guess I was 18 anything got me hard so that's good but like yeah it was just it was a sad scene i'd love to go back to that boy and just like apologize to both of them for that terrible experience <laughs> fun fact though she was the first person i came out to when i did come out a year later and um cool she was very she was so generous and sweet and loving and actually yesterday was national coming out day so um a big thank you to all of the people who <laughs> put up with me all the women or girls at the time who put up with me um kind of dodging them sexually in my teenage years. Mm -hmm. I always dodged it just because it was like, I always pretended I was after the girl that I could never have, like the popular girl or the pretty girl that this, that that. And if it was too easy, I was like, ah, or when they would come back to me, I'd be like, oh no, I changed my mind. I like somebody else now. <laughs> I get that popular girl syndrome, definitely. I was always like, I, I just wanted the most beautiful and popular girl all the time, for sure. But I just wanted um, to be friends. Like, I didn't... <laughs> I just wanted to be yeah. friends. Um, so I've been with... I've been with two women, officially. Um, and... Uh, yeah, I'm... <clears throat> one of them was actually um, a best friend. And, and um, one of the first people I came out to, actually. And... Um, yeah, I I haven't completely written women off to be honest. I'm I'm I don't know. I'm just like I'm open. Um who knows, right? That's kind of where I stand at this point, but I'm certainly not a gold star gay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 I've had enough experience to know that it's not for me. Mm -hmm. Um there was I don't remember what it was. It was must must have been like recently after high school before I moved to the UK that I, it was, must have been when I was 19 that I was at a party and then like ended up crashing there. And it was like my friend's sister who was also, she must've been 18 and we fooled around, but like I was out, like I had, I was recently out and we kind of did everything but, 
And it was like, there was this moment where it was like, she's like, this isn't going to really fully happen, is it? I was like, no. And she's like, well, at least we did this much. And she was stunning. Like, she was like the most beautiful girl. Like, everybody thought she was like, she was that girl. And I was just like, yeah, if I can't do this with you, I can't do this with any girl. <laughs> you know, I fe- you know what I found so interesting after I came out too, is that like, it seemed like women wanted me more and so did guys like it like all of a sudden all these guys who like i don't know some of them i had crushes on in high school and stuff were like sign up in my dms and like <laughs> tell, oh oh you know i didn't want to say it but like in high school you know i was like feeling you i'm like what i thought like you were a total like womanizer i'm i'm confused and then and then girls too were just like crushing on me and i would go out to like the bars and stuff and like girls would hit on me i i probably made out with several women in in my in my early adulthood so oh, girl, i, I made like, out with hundreds of you women. know what i mean i yeah, made I out like, with them but that's it <laughs> yeah i'm like what what is happening here y'all want me now like wh- where were you when i needed a beard you know <laughs> Yeah, I can get hard with women in the room, and I've had a, a I don't I think it's called a threesome. I think it was with a guy and his girlfriend. The girlfriend didn't participate, but she was there. Yeah, and him and I fool around. Mm. She just wanted to be part of it to watch. So that was something I could do. But like, if she had tried to join us, I think I think I'm not sure. Maybe maybe that would have been hot in the moment, but that's as close as I've gotten it's just she was sitting there watching <laughs> mm. Matt, what about you what do you think oh i for By sure raise a hand who thinks that i've had sex with women 100 <laughs> percent. you have i lost my virginity at 16 to a girl who's actually a close friend of mine and still is and uh and then i slept with three other girls so four total and but not nothing since 18 so from 18 on i've only slept with men and I know at this stage of my life that that's all I'm interested in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 It's once I locked in on that consciousness, it was just like, yeah, no. Once I had that experience, that really full on experience that I was just like, ah, oh, if I can't do this with you, I can't do this with anybody. Yeah. Um, but I did have like a kind of a group situation like Michael had, but there was two girls, actually how I'd met one of my um, close friends before. <laughs> And then there was like a couple, a married couple, and like he was always wanting to try something, but like never had. And so the wife, it was all very like, we got very drunk and we all got very silly. Um, But like, it was a good experience, but like, I only really did stuff with him. And again, it was like making out with the girls or whatever, but it wasn't anything like intense. And that was when I was like 23, 24, maybe. And that's probably the last like, like, interchangeable experience I had with like everybody but since then it's just been like nah I'm good been there done that checked it off the list it's like when you go to college it's like I think everybody should try everything when they're young in that like if you're if you're curious about it do it because I'd I'd rather have people satisfy those curiosities in those early years in the younger years because I've been with there's a specific guy I've been with and he was a best friend at the time and it, that's a whole different story. But afterwards, like 
when we talked about it, he was like, oh no, I'm still like, I'm still going to be straight and I'm just going to sleep with guys on the side, but I'm going to have a wife and kids and I'm just not going to tell her about it. And I was just like, hold on, wait, what? (laughs) I was like, I could respect you if you, if she knew, but if you're out there and doing this and not telling her and you're also being unsafe, that's like, that is absolutely not okay with me. But it's like, those are things you need to have conversations around. But if you do those experiences, when you, if you have those experiences younger, like during those phases of like when you should be experimenting at university, college, or those younger years, you kind of scratch those itches and you figure out what you like and what you don't like. And you know where you want to go instead of like going down this path that you've been told you have to go down. And then all of a sudden you're just like, oh, but this has been in the back of my head for so long that you end up cheating or doing something really stupid as an adult because you just never let yourself do it when you were younger. You know what I'm saying? Totally. That's kind of like what happened with with me, Callan. Like I was saying, I was in, I kind of came up from that Catholic mentality of sex. So it was wrong. And then if I did do it, it was supposed to be with a partner. And I think I mentioned in previous episodes that I was a serial monogamist for a long time and I never stepped out of the relationship but then only recently have I kind of been able to explore all of my kinks and fetishes and all the things that I really want to do I mean when I say recently probably in the last seven years um and I agree I mean I, I kind of say I wish I had done this in my early years but the truth is I wasn't ready and if I did do it in those early years it would have been entrenched in that shame like I shouldn't be doing this this is wrong I'm dirty and all of that other stuff that I used to have with me. So, you know, I, I think it's good to constantly be experimenting when you're coming at it from a solid place within. Mm-hmm. From a conscious angle, yes. Yes, yes, exactly, yeah. And I think someone had touched on it earlier, but um, like really slowing down to appreciate the process and the journey and the exploration and being really curious. Like uh, I recognize on the other side of all the things that I feel like I got wrong in order to like get it right. If there is a such thing, I don't believe, you know, um, I, I use air quotes because I, I, you know, so many of those experiences um, contributed to my current awareness and, and, and confidence and competence as a, as a sexual being. But yeah, just like, slowing down, breathing into the experience, breathing into the process, being curious, asking questions, um, you know, um, speaking your truth, you know, saying no when it's a no, yes when it's a yes. Um, I don't know when it's an I don't know. Um, Yeah, like that has definitely become really powerful. And I feel like one of the things that I'm so grateful for is that I've stepped into um, a more uh, conscious leadership in my sexual life these days. I am still reactive in some situations, but I would say more more often than not, um, I find myself being a lot more intentional about how I navigate my sexuality. Um, yeah, and and that really comes with like slowing slowing down. And like I said, being curious and, and mm-hmm. honest. Yeah. Self-awareness, yeah. honesty with yourself, first mm-hmm. and foremost. Yeah. yeah. 
I think when that happens too, it's like, you know, those guys who are constantly online and on the dating apps or even the hookup apps and they're constantly like swipe white, swipe white, like it's like got to catch them all. And they're just like, I need to sleep with every Mm. single person that it's like attractive or whatever. They have this whatever in their head and they have those kinds of goals. But when you slow down, you kind of let yourself think about it. You're like, do I really do I really want this? Do I really need this? And if I'm doing this, like, to the point of, like, sex addiction, what's really hiding there? Like, what am I running away from that's hiding there? Mm. But, you know, these are heavy things that people can get nervous about and scared about, which is why, of course, people hide them because they're shame. They feel shame and they don't know how to handle it. They don't know how to deal with it. Um, but like when you slow down, you kind of look at it and you go, okay, is this adding value to my life or is this taking away from my life? Cause I know I stepped away from those apps and all those things because I was like, this is not adding value to my life. This is distracting. It's taking me away from what I really need to be doing. Um, it can be enjoyable at times. Like I've had great times from it, but again, approaching it from a conscious angle, I've never had an experience that I was like, oh my God, that was that was bad. It felt bad, like everything, because I'm, I'm personally so intuitive that when I'm looking even on the apps that it was just like, Oh, I don't get the right energy from you. And even when we start talking, it's like, okay, I still feel it out again. Is this the right energy? And even to the point of showing up or them showing up, there's been a time or two where I'm like, I don't feel this energy. Like, I hope nobody feels bad, but like, this isn't going to happen. That's, I mean, that's rare, but it's you got to slow down to let yourself hear those feelings and be like every step of the way like okay the first interaction okay cool the next interaction okay are we going to be in person okay is this still okay and if it's not it's okay to say it's not okay like don't feel guilty that you now built it up that you have to follow through you have to be with this person even though like you don't you no longer want to go down that journey mm-hmm I think another thing too that just came up for me as you were speaking is this idea of reactivity versus responsiveness and how I notice even still to this day um, when I'm overwhelmed with this sort of tension, whether it be in my loins or in my mind and my psychology and, and, rather than sitting with that and breathing into it and allowing it to be integrated, I will seek out something to alleviate it or to abort it or to avoid it. And that looks like, you know, pornography, right? Opening it up, ejaculating, shutting it off. Um, You know, once upon a time it was going out and pursuing sexual experiences and then leaving right after, right? and, and to me, that's like, that's reactive sexuality, you know, that's reactive, that's, that's, um, you know, and, and of course, those experiences are valuable in a way because I learned from them. Um, but yeah, just recognizing those moments where, again, I'm moving from, from reactivity and, and sort of impulsivity as opposed to, again, slowing down and, and, and allowing that energy to be present, right? Um, and and that that um, awareness and that practice actually contributes to better sexual experiences because you're able to like savor and enjoy the process and the experience, like uh, 
piece of delicious chocolate cake, you know, like you can scarf it down if you want to, or you can just kind of, you know, um, which is right. Uh, and so I, I still, to this day, like I'm learning, I'm learning that for myself, but it's, it's, it, that's a game changer for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. One of the things that stands out for me from what both of you guys said, both Callan and Reno, um, there's this thing, this under, this bubbling underneath that's causing the reactive, that's causing the, the person to want to scroll and swipe right. And I think for me, it was acknowledgement of an unmet need or needs. There was quite a few of them. And that's why I was hypersexual. That's why I was sex addicted because I had a need. And my need was to connect to people emotionally in, in intimate ways, but I wasn't able to because of all the shame. It was literally the wall that I had to climb over in order to have this experience. And so I kept perpetuating this cycle of seek out more, seek out more, seek out more, because I could, I, if I thought, I thought that if I sought out more and more and more physical, that it would somehow accumulate and, and become emotional connection, but it never did. And that's where vulnerability changed my life is learning how to be vulnerable, learning how to step up to the plate and, 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 and allow myself to be seen. And, um, that, that's when things really shifted for me and I was able to um, establish these connections and then that need started to go to go met and I, I started to feel better about myself about connecting with others um, so yeah I think it's really important for us all to ask ourselves like what is there what is an unmet need that's going on in our lives and in, in the area of sex um, and how can I how can I find a way to meet this need in a healthy way that's not going to you know, make me masturbate five times a day to porn or, you know what I mean? Like, because there's, there's um, this energy inside of us. It's so important, right? Sexual energy is so important and not just to, to give or to release. That's one part of it, but it's also to accumulate inside of us and to use it as a life force and a chi that we can, you know, use to achieve, right? Right. The, the sexual energy can be something that can turn into creative energy that can use to achieve in other areas of our lives. So if we're always depleting our body of this energy, it becomes um, habitual and, it, and it, then it depletes us of our life force. So. Mm-hmm. I resonate with that hundred percent, Matt, because I am, or I, I was for a very long time, one of those people who would use grinder pretty much like, you know, Cal was saying, just, I would just talk to everyone, any, any, message I would jump in all in and I would have sex with them but you know you were talking about connection which I think deep down that was probably going on too but for me what was more obvious mm-hmm. was that it was meeting um, a need of feeling confident about myself so I would use hookups or other people's attention on me to prove to myself that I was attractive and that I was therefore worthy of attention love whatever and that of course it doesn't work right like like you just said like that it, it hits the it hits the button for a little bit but then it goes away and then you have to do it again and then you have to do it again and then you have to do it again and then next thing you know you've been on there for hours and hours turned to days turned to weeks and you've fucked everyone in town but you still feel you still feel unworthy deep, mm-hmm. in, deep inside so i think that's a lot of the conscious evolution part is once I learned how to give myself that worthiness, once I learned how to develop that without needing other people to give it to me through sex or attention or whatever else that was, then 
when I did go back on the apps, I had a lot more fun with it. And I still have sex with lots of people, but it's from a very different um, intention. And I think a lot of people still do that. And, and, you know, when they feel insecure or unconfident about the way they look, it's so much easier to say, oh, well, you know, this person wants to have sex with me, therefore I must be attractive or I must be worthy of love and attention. Mm-hmm. And loneliness was another one. After I broke up with my ex, I, I jumped in there because I felt so emotionally lonely. I, I was longing for that connection. And of course, I wasn't going to find it um, on an app. Well, I mean, I could have found it on an app, but chances were not great. It's like looking for all of your like vitamin A nutrients in a Big Mac when what you need is a piece of broccoli. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yes. My God, I love that. Texan broccoli. I love it. <laughs> right? I feel like we could do like full episodes about apps and then also about porn because oh, there's boy. a whole journey we could go on there. Yeah, I got all the apps on this thing. Oh my goodness. See, and that's wild because I don't have any of the apps, yeah. but I mean, different, different adventures at different times, right? Yeah. I mean, now, now I use them from a, in a very different way and it's actually a lot of fun. Um, I mean, I found, I found clients on these apps. It's very interesting how that happens. Yeah. That's why. Um, yeah. So, I mean, they are what they are. And I always say sex is sex in and of itself is not good or bad. It's neutral. It's how you choose to engage with it. That is what, determines the outcome of that experience. Mm -hmm. That's legit. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Anybody have anything else they want to share today? Um, I had another thought from an earlier part of the conversation that I want to, I guess I can, I can jump in on when we were talking about our high school selves. um, And I was talking about my situation with, with my ex-girlfriend and how um, I didn't want to have sex with her. There was a part of me that felt like that made me less of a man. Again, going back to that closeted, all that stuff I, I picked up from society. And so when I did come out again with sex, using sex, I tried to use having sex with men as a way to prove my masculinity because society tells us that men are supposed to be um, assertive and sexual and that makes you masculine and me as a boy I was always a small shy quiet kid right and gay on top of that so when I came out I was like oh wait a minute I get to I get to be masculine now this is new like I always thought of myself as wrong and feminine air quotes and so in my early years in university I definitely used sex as a way to prove my masculinity and prove my worthiness as a man who can go out there and have sex with men or have sex in general, whether it's with men or otherwise. And so a lot of that early sex life was tied into um, power, control, um, and validation and masculinity, specific to masculinity. Who's somebody's music vibing? Yeah. <laughs> I was hearing that. I'm like, where is that coming from? Oh my gosh. Yeah, that was wild. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I just take one out of here. I've been sitting on it the whole time. <laughs> oh my god. I was like, what is that? What's going on? I think I think a great episode would be talking about like topping and bottoming and like things like bottom shaming. Yeah. I think Ooh. that needs to be talked about. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, there was something I was going to say. So as you were talking, I kind of like zoned out for a moment only because I, I was recalling this like, I, I started imagining and recalling this experience that I had had with this guy who I met on the dance floor at this bar. And um, he, he kept telling me the entire night, he was like, I'm straight, I'm straight. But like, do you want to dance? And I was like, okay, cool. Like, I get it. You're straight. Like you told me 10 times now. Um, and, and then he ended up coming back to my place after and we were hanging out on the couch and just like talking. And then, I don't know, we, we started sort of playfully like poking each other, like, like, like wrestling a little bit. And then it kind of escalated into this like, like actual, like heavy petting. Like it was just like, we were just like touching each other and, and whatever, fully clothed. And I remember like, there was one point where my eyes were closed and I looked up at him. I opened my eyes and looked up at him and he was like, oh my God, you're so beautiful. And I just about died in that moment. I was like, oh my God. Um, and he was so handsome too. Anyway, we ended up kissing a few times um, and, and once more before he left. And it was, it, I, I've, it, what was remarkable to me is that I could have this experience that was so elevating. Like I was buzzing for probably the next like two or three days. And we didn't even have sex, you know? I'm sure we both wanted to, but, but that didn't happen. And so um, one of the things that I've come to realize over time and just having had some of these experiences that were like intimate and maybe of a sensual nature, but not like, not, um, you know, not involving intercourse specifically. Um, there's like something so powerful about being able to sit with a person and just like feel them and see them for a period. Um, and, and like that either enhances a sexual experience in ways unimaginable or, or sort of um, eliminates the need to even engage in sexual intercourse altogether you're just like ooh, i just got what i needed i realized it was just connection like i'm buzzing now that's good for me you know mm -hmm. um so that that was like a breakthrough for me and continues to be one again and again where i'm just like wow okay like the depths we can go um and we can connect and the pleasure we can experience sans intercourse like amazing to me you know amazing to me and then what's beyond that is just world's better one of my best orgasms was off the tail end of me intentionally cultivating this remarkable connected intimate um you know experience with my ex-partner um i imagine that that intentionality leading up to it made it so memorable like hands down one of the best if not the best um orgasms and sexual experiences i've had to date in my life right so intentionality man yeah mm -hmm. amen yeah.
And on that orgasmic note, I do believe we are at time. <laughs> so um, we all want to thank you for listening today and watching. If you're watching on YouTube, please hit that subscribe and that little bell button so that you can get reminders when we release these every other Thursday. And then on alternating Thursdays, we do a group Zoom chat, but you have to be in our private group in order to join in on that. So join the Gay Men's Brotherhood on Facebook and you can join in on the conversation. If you're listening to this on podcast, please go give us a five-star rating if you love us and then also write a comment let us know what you want us to talk about let us know what you love we love to hear from you and the same on all the other social media spread us around uh spread all that good stuff out it's like butter good good stuff good stuff all right anything else from any of you guys no, no? all right peace love rainbows bye bye, guys. bye.